The future could be brilliant. A personal inquiry into why much of the world seems crazy and what to do about it. Part 5. With God on our side. The researches of Dave Grossman, which I talked about in episode 3, reveal another crucial clue to the puzzle of why the world is crazy. If you remember, Dave showed that 80-85% to of riflemen in World War II were unable to bring themselves to kill due to an intrinsic inhibition against harming others. But that still leaves 15-20% to who were able to overcome this. This was not just the 1-4% to on the sociopathic spectrum who lacked this internal restraint. Obviously, it would be wrong to assume that the rest of us are angels and incapable of ill. That is not true. As Dave Grossman explains, we're all capable of killing, given particular circumstances and conditioning. But this particular group seemed to be an important part of the puzzle. Why were they more able and willing to fire and potentially kill when most were not, and how did they fit into the bigger picture? Discovering the work of Bob Altmaier answered this and many other questions for me. Bob spent much of his professional life at Manitoba University in Canada, studying what he called the authoritarian personality. Starting in 1966, he patiently gathered information, conducted research and wrote up his findings. Nobody particularly noticed. Until, that is, nearly at the end of his academic life, along came John Dean of Watergate fame to ask him about his research. John was working on a book, Conservatives Without Conscience, which was to have been co-authored with the late Republican Senator Barry Goldwater. They had become concerned that their party, the Republican Party, had taken a lurch to the right and were trying to understand. Now, When I was a student, Barry Goldwater was regarded as right-wing, so for him to be concerned about the health of the Republican Party was interesting indeed. Bob Altmaier seems a cheery and unassuming man, but his work, as John Dean recognised, must rate as amongst the most important of our time. Bob has identified two related personality types he describes as authoritarian followers and authoritarian leaders. Authoritarian leaders score highly on a social dominance scale. Social dominators are inclined to be intimidating, ruthless and vengeful. They scorn such noble acts as helping others and being kind, charitable and forgiving. Instead, they would rather be feared than loved and be viewed as mean, pitiless and vengeful. They love power, including the power to hurt in their drive to the top. Social dominators admit anonymously to striving to manipulate others and to being dishonest, two-faced, treacherous and amoral. The uncanny similarity to descriptions of people with sociopathic tendencies immediately stands out. But for me it's what he discovered about those he called authoritarian followers that seems so important to understand. Forget rational consideration and assessment. Thinking's not their strong point. Submission to authority is. 
Essentially, they take what their leader says as gospel. The word gospel is especially appropriate. People with this personality type are often involved in fundamentalist religions and organisations. Bob gives a fascinating illustration of this. When questioned, fundamentalist Christians said they believed that the Bible was the literal word of God. No doubts, no debate, the actual written word of God. But when asked how much they had read, surprisingly, most admitted, not very much. But what they did do was to take what their preacher said about what God said as gospel. They didn't question or doubt them and accepted their word as true. Even when what the preacher said or did was highly questionable, they still stood by them. It was as if they had relinquished their capacity for thought and consideration. If the chief said it was true, the chief must be right. If the chief said jump, that's what they would do. As Bob explains, Religious fundamentalists are highly likely to be authoritarian followers. They are highly submissive to established authority, aggressive in the name of that authority, and conventional to the point of insisting everyone should behave as their authorities decide. They are fearful and self-righteous and have a lot of hostility in them that they readily direct towards various outgroups. They are easily incited, easily led, rather uninclined to think for themselves, largely impervious to facts and reason and rely instead on social support to maintain their beliefs. They bring strong loyalty to their in-groups, have thick-walled, highly compartmentalised minds, use a lot of double standards in their judgments, are surprisingly unprincipled at times, and are often hypocrites. They are also Teflon-coated when it comes to guilt. They are blind to themselves, ethnocentric and prejudiced, and as closed-minded as they are narrow-minded. They can be woefully uninformed about things they oppose, but they prefer ignorance and want to make others become as ignorant as they. They are also surprisingly uninformed about the things they say they believe in, and deep, deep, deep down inside, many of them have secret doubts about their core belief. Bob emphasises that all of this is based on studies which reported what fundamentalists said about themselves and on how they actually behave. It's not just somebody's opinion of them. He makes a chilling observation that much of this description could apply to those who filled the stadium at the Nuremberg rallies. I know this comparison will strike some as outrageous, and I'm not saying religion turns people into Nazis. But being religious does not automatically build a firewall against accepting totalitarianism, And when fundamentalist religions teach authoritarian submission, authoritarian aggression and conventionalism, they help to create the problem. Can we not see how easily religious fundamentalists would lift a would-be dictator aloft as part of a great movement and give it their all? It is of course natural to submit to authority to some degree, Otherwise, a lack of rules and conventions would cause society to fall apart. The important point, however, of Bob Altmaier's observations is that Some people go way beyond the norm and submit to authority even when it is dishonest, corrupt 
unfair and evil. Even when faced with the irrefutable facts about corruption of leadership, these individuals will often still not acknowledge their leaders as flawed. Combining Andrew Lobachevsky's insights and Bob Altmaier's research, you can readily see that the unholy alliance of sociopathic leaders and authoritarian followers could go a long way to explain much of the madness we have seen over millennia. Andrew Lobachevsky talked about the sycophants who suck up to dodgy leaders, and Bob's research confirms the scary relevance of these kinds of people. It's important for us all to reflect on the fact that even for the most independent thinkers amongst us, the inclination to comply with authority is very strong. Dave Grossman emphasises this when he says, never underestimate the power of the need to obey. Being closely overseen by an officer, for instance, is much more likely to make a soldier fire and shoot to kill. The well-known experiments of Stanley Milgram disturbingly illustrate this. Stanley showed that many ordinary individuals, when taking part in an official experiment, were prepared to follow orders to the point where they not only harmed someone else, but apparently killed them. So what's going on in the minds of those particularly prone to blind obedience, especially in stressful situations? Whenever we experience strong emotions, we tend to move into an all-or-nothing, black-or-white thinking style. This simplified fight-or-flight survival response is essential to our well-being in dangerous situations, like meeting a tiger in the woods. You can't wait and wonder if this was the tiger that your Aunt Nelly brought up as an orphan cub and wouldn't hurt a fly, or is it the tiger that ate your Uncle Bill last week? You move instantly into the fight-or-flight mode. Can I get out of here as fast as possible, or will I have to make myself big and defend myself for all I'm worth? There's no room for subtleties. It seems probable that people with authoritarian personalities are already highly emotionally charged in the ordinary way of it. They could be anxious, angry, fearful or caught in the grip of some other strong emotion. As a result, they're already operating in a non-thinking survival mode which exaggerates their responses to the world. The problem is that when powerful emotions continually overwhelm our capacity for rational thinking, we tend to become thoughtless and stupid. Life for people with fundamentalist personalities seems like waiting for a tiger to appear round every corner every day. Their need for stability in this stressful way of life leads them to adopt simplistic ideologies and their leader almost in a parental role. As Bob Altmaier says, Authoritarian followers seem to have a daddy-and-mummy-knows-best attitude towards government and authority. Taking refuge in a simple idea and a charismatic leader releases them from the overwhelming responsibility of making sense of a threatening world, of having to think, especially when their thinking potential is already under duress from strong internally generated emotions. They can feel secure as part of a group 
and can define and identify their enemies as those who hold opposing or contrary views. They are mostly attached to these standpoints, it becomes part of their identity. When you challenge their views, they're unable to remain emotionally detached and they experience this as a personal attack, hence their aggression towards those who oppose them. As Hitler is reported to have said, what good fortune for those in power that people do not think. Bob Altmaier describes it well. It is easy to see why authoritarian followers would be dogmatic, isn't it? When you haven't figured out your beliefs, but instead absorbed them from other people, you're really in no position to defend them from attack. Simply put, you don't know why the things you believe are true. Somebody else decided they were, and you're taking their word for it. You don't have to know anything to insist you're right, no matter what. Dogmatism is by far the best fallback defence, the most impregnable castle that ignorance can build. It's also a dead giveaway that the person doesn't know why he believes what he believes. Yet the scary bit for the rest of us is that... Once dogmatism turns out the lights, you might as well close up shop as a civilization and pull up the covers as a sentient life form. You can start to see the dangerous marriage of sociopathic social dominators and authoritarian followers. We're all prone to emotional manipulation, but these emotionally charged, hot-headed people are particularly easily influenced. Sociopaths don't experience doubt in the same way as the rest of us. How can they? They've got no conscience. So therefore it becomes easy for them to say virtually anything with complete conviction. They're often supreme actors and thus supreme persuaders. For those that are struggling with survival, strong, simplistic ideas become very appealing. As far as authoritarian followers are concerned, absolute surety is not only highly appealing, but seems essential to coping with survival. Instead of having to deal with overwhelming internal emotions, they can then do what we all do at times. Blame someone else. Dave Grossman observed that creating physical distance between soldiers and enemy can increase kill rate considerably. 40% of casualties in World War II were the result of artillery fire. Creating psychological distance can also be very effective. Dehumanising those in the outgroup can free dangerous aggression in those already charged up. Choose your own example, but if you're female, Black, gay, Jewish, Catholic, Protestant, Muslim, Hindu, Sikh, immigrant, disabled, gypsy, whatever, in the wrong place at the wrong time, you can be faced with a degree of intolerance that's hard to deal with. The Catholic pupils who occasionally attended my secondary school can attest to this. Put someone with this nature into a war situation Tell them that the enemy is an inferior and worthless creature, give them clear and strict orders to fire, and it's highly probable that they would do what most of us could not. Shoot to kill. Bob Altmaier sums it up disturbingly well. Since followers do virtually all of the assaulting and killing in authoritarian systems, the leaders see to this most carefully. We are dealing with very serious matters here. 
Anyone who follows orders can become a murderer for an authoritarian regime. But authoritarian followers find it easier to bully, harass, punish, maim, torture, eliminate, liquidate and exterminate their victims than most people do. Reflecting on Dave Grossman's information that only 15 to 20% of soldiers in a battle do the shooting and killing, in all likelihood the people most able to overcome the natural inhibition to kill their fellow man are a mix of sociopaths and authoritarians. So the picture's beginning to emerge of why the world is the way it is, why much of the world seems crazy. Sociopaths who are heartless and don't care, can't care, end up preying on the rest of us for their own selfish ends. Authoritarians who are headless and can't think are happy to follow however mad the orders they are given. A heartless and headless H2O combination. As I quoted earlier, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights states, All human beings are endowed with reason and conscience and should act towards one another in a spirit of brotherhood. What we now know is that the authoritarian followers are not able to reason and the sociopaths have no conscience. In the next episode, but so what? It's always been like this, has it not?